0: Gentlemen, to episode 12 of the John Vogel experience, the JDV experience. So glad to have you guys tune in to check out the show. Um, really, we have a great couple guests lined up for us today. The uh, NBC Sports Edge top draft analyst. I mean, it's hands down, he's the best guy they've got. Thor Nystrom will be joining the show talking about free agent rankings and. Football sapiens, Cleveland Browns uh, fan and coverage guy, Dan Toomey, will be joining the show as well, discussing... There's a lot to talk about with the Cleveland Browns, as we all know. Like There's a lot to talk about. The Browns are a really interesting uh, group right now. So, that all being said, let's jump into the show. Let's get started with Thor. You can follow him on Twitter at ThorKU. Uh, definitely do that. It's a hundred percent worth the follow. Joining the show first up today, back on the show second time now. New mic too, by the way. Sorry, i have to get that out. Thank you, Rambling Fan, Brett Studer, um, Thor Nyström from NBC Sports. Uh, well, we had you on the podcast before. We talked about your free agent rankings. We talked about you do this every year, and you have these super long in-depth lists that you put together, these spreadsheets that are just pretty crazy in terms of intel and information about guys. And the comp lists that you have is insane, too, because it's like you have guys that are not ranked that are, like, obscure. Like, uh, I guess he's not too obscure. He played at Cal Kikoka. You're probably saying that wrong. Kikoa Crawford. You got him compared to Johnny Lee Hagan. Hey, There's, like, nonstop player comps and, and, and shit. So I, I got both your lists pulled up. I guess we'll start with that. The Colts are the best in the AFC because you got two articles, Colts, AFC, Cowboys, and the NFC. Which one was better?
1: The Cowboys is who I ranked number one overall. Um, you know, Cowboys were first in the NFC. Colts, like you said, were first in the AFC. They both had really good classes. Um, but the Cowboys came out on top this year. I think they've been – They've served, All four years I've done it for NBC, ranked the UDFA classes. The, the Cowboys have been uh, in the top 10. I believe it's the last three years they've been in the top three. And that's not a huge surprise because during those four years, they have devoted more money to the UDFA sweepstakes, you know, post-Saturday night, day three, mm-hmm. than any other team in the NFL. They give out the biggest signing bonuses. They, they pursue the UDFAs most aggressively. And they tend to, to fare very well in these rankings because of that. They tend to sign multiple guys every single year that probably should have been drafted on just about any analyst list. Alec Lindstrom being one of the big ones in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Colts, they don't always fare this good. So that one was a little bit uh, more surprising. But they, this year, they certainly had a, a very aggressive ethos in uh, UDFAs. And I think that was a strategy coming in, probably because they didn't have the draft equity that they've had in some of these recent years. Obviously, they didn't have the first-round pick because of the Carson Wentz trade from the year before. And so I I think it was um, – that was a very intentional thing of, you know, we're going to do the best we can in the slots that we're picking in, but then when we get outside of the draft, we're going to try to sort of recoup some of this value by being aggressive with some of these these guys that probably should have been drafted and just fell through the cracks for whatever reason. Yeah,
0: because JoJo Domain, uh, that's a guy out of Nebraska that – He's kind of a mismatch. I wasn't sure how he would fare when I was scouting him. Like, I liked him, and I liked the skill set. But it was it's it's a guy that he, he needs, like, a, a schematic fit. You need to kind of cater a role to him. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Also, you had Jack Cohn way up there in your quarterback rankings. Um, I don't think I was that high on him at 162. That's like, a, what, a fifth-round pick, right?
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so fifth I – and I wasn't big on him like that, but yeah, like these are like, you know, a bunch of these guys that they picked up are senior bowl studs, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, w- with regards to Doman, I, I comp him to Jabril Cox. It was similar in that it's a converted safety that they, they ended up putting a linebacker who his best thing is coverage. Um, and, and that's the biggest surprise to me. Why Doman was not drafted because he's really, really good in coverage. You can see the safety chops you know, with the, as far as the, 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 coverage goes at the linebacker position, he also proved that during the pre-draft testing, uh, he tested in the 76 percentile. He doesn't have any movement problems. Um, one concern that you could potentially have about him is, is holding up against the run, but he was fine against that in college. He can certainly go sideline to sideline. Um, and he doesn't lack for fearlessness either. You know, he was pretty efficient against the, the run. Um, you know, I, I think between those two utilities and even if it's just the coverage, like, like I expected him to be drafted just on that alone because it's so valuable in relation to run defense. So even as just a passing down linebacker, I would have expected him to go. I, I thought that was a really inspired signing by by the Colts. I, I, in my opinion, he should have gone the middle of day three, something like that. I, I think I had a fourth round grade on him. Yeah, fourth yeah. round. Grade.
0: Yeah, one one twenty two is where you had it because that's also the really cool thing about your rankings. I think is you have that top five hundred list that you put out before the draft, right? yep and you that that's like the, the first reference you know when you pull up these things on NBC Sports Edge I've actually got them pulled up I think on Yahoo Sports too because uh, yep. everything that you write gets published there as well right
1: yep that's right
0: yeah so I've got them pulled up on Yahoo and that but it's awesome just because it's everybody's ranked you've got you know the, the RAS score there you've got their heights and weights um like you want to talk about a resource just being crazy. And I guess one of the things that I also kind of wanted to point out was the Baltimore Ravens. You had them as number two in the ASC. I guess that's fourth overall, right?
1: It's like something like that. Yeah. I don't have the, the calm pulled up because it, it starts playing the noise. Like the mm-hmm. video. So it's I yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. But so, I got that. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, they, they killed the draft. Like they everybody, did. everybody will acknowledge that everybody knows that they pulled out they just were kind of drafting the best guy available the entire time and i think they did a great job we had um michael telford who writes on football Sapien. on we were talking about it on the last episode but even from just a free agent standpoint these guys just killed it the the entire rookie class that they're bringing in is just insane
1: yeah it sure is yeah um yeah, that's it. You know, we talk about, stra- I was talking about the cult strategy. The Ravens are a team that, that enters every draft process with, with a very delineated strategy. Um, and they don't get, they don't, it's not just that they don't get penned into a position or to a player. They also don't get penned into an ideology year to year. Um, for instance, this year, um, Peter King reported that they had the most, the Ravens had the most picks in any one round going back like 40 years in the draft. They, they had, what was it, six fourth-round picks or something like that, because their scouting department had identified, and th- this wasn't necessarily a secret. We had talked a lot about in the pre-draft process, like the top 15 of this draft was gonna be down in, in terms of talent in comparison to, uh, to the past three, four, five years in the top 15, but that the middle rounds, that was where the real power of this draft was, in part because of the, in, in large part, because of the waived COVID eligibility waiver in 2020, which made the, the last draft class that we had uh, a third the amount of declares as a usual year, which of course means that this year we had more next year, we're going to have more as well. And because of that, that was where the strength of, of, of this draft was. And so the Ravens really targeted that, um, you know, and, and they, they, brought and they got a bunch of studs in that fourth round, like Daniel Falele and some of these different guys that were sort of falling down. Um, and then they, they usually do just a little bit better. I think than this in my UDFA rankings, um, where like they're sort of like the AFC's version of the Cowboys. Um, but they, they had so many guys in, in their draft class is probably why they they finished outside the top three this year. But it was another solid UDFA class for them as well. They, they don't get cheated out of talent in any, like in any process, the draft process, UDFA process, regular free agency process. Like they're just so sound everything that they do evaluation wise and the thinking and the thought process behind player acquisition.
0: So oh, here's a good question. Just it popped in my head. Out of all these free agent guys, you know, cause we see it every year. There's some undrafted guys that come in and they get a chance to play right away and they're good. And they're really good. You know, we have a, there's a, a very lengthy extensive list of undrafted free agents that have impacted the league significantly throughout their careers. You got, you got a couple guys that you can put bets on. Cause you're a big gambling guy as well. Like I am. Where, where, who, who would you bet on in this class making a really solid career out of all the undrafted guys that came in?
1: I would say I'm I'm pretty bullish on Doman. Um, I think Kellen Deach eventually he's got a shot to be a starter. If not, I think he's going to be a really good swing backup for a long time. He was another guy I was surprised that they didn't get picked. Um, I think Josh Jobs is going to hang around for a while. Last people were dogging on him for last year. And, and I certainly get that. He, he got singed last year, some, but he was playing through injuries. He was much better in 2020. So I, I, I think that was a, uh, uh, that was a good dart throw by the Eagles. Cause if, if you, you know, you just took his, his pre 2021 work and his, his athletic body and stuff like that um, he, you know, he was worth a draft pick. So I think he's going to hang around too. I'm, ho- I'm praying and hoping that, that Justin Ross, his body doesn't betray him at the next level. He might be my guy that, that I would say, you know, if, if I knew that that was going to be the case, it's just, we don't know if that spinal fusion, you know, the, and, and the, I, I'm forgetting the name of the, the, um, the congenital condition that he has with his spine. But, um, as long as that doesn't like cut his career in the next couple of years. Um, he could definitely do some stuff with the chiefs. Um, I like Abraham Smith too. Um, the kid that the Saints sign, uh, from mm-hmm. Baylor, uh, he's, he's like, um, um, Downhill
0: runner that just bounces off of people.
1: Yeah, he does. He sure does. Yeah. I mean, he plays running back like like the linebacker that he was beforehand. And I think you get him into a one, one cut system like Baylor had. I think he's going to do well there because he runs with good tempo. He has good vision. He knows, you know, I mean, like he's not one of those guys that presses the hole way too early in that system. Um, you know, he, he'll sit back and sort of wait down the line and then he makes the crisp cut into the hole. He doesn't have like the joystick agility. He's not going to make anyone miss in the open field. But sort of like Brian Robinson from Alabama, he can make people miss in the hole because he'll be going sort of diagonal or else you know mm-hmm. uh, 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 down the line or whatever, and then he'll just swiftly cut up field, and the guy will get an armful and nothing because it's so clean hit, the the one cut up field, um, and then like you said, the contact balance is really good. He fights through arm tackles um, and he can ricochet off of guys that even bring the thunder on him. So he has really good contact balance. He's got to work on some stuff uh, receiving. He didn't get a lot of looks last year, but I'm not going to blame him for that because it was his first year back at running back and he, he broke the score record for rushing yards. He, I mean, he, he was the fulcrum point of Baylor's offense. They, you know, they just didn't work him in as a receiver as much, but he also brings the lunch pail and in, in pass pro he got to improve there. Um, he's sort of raw in that aspect, but right now but he certainly has the willingness and the physicality and the violence for that sort of work. So he just needs to work on his technique, but he's another guy that I could see hanging around and doing some stuff for a little while.
0: I'm going to give you a guy. Nobody's talking about him right now. So maybe I'll be wrong, but the chargers picked up uh, Trayvon Bradford, wide receiver out of Oregon state. And if you look at that depth chart right now, they need a slot guy and Bradford fits that spot. He might start right away.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, he uh, I, I wasn't quite as high on him, but he he did flash some at, at Oregon State. It's just you never really saw that production mm-hmm. jump up. But then again, to be fair to him, uh, their offense was <laughs> was dog poop before last season. And then last season, it was just, you know, it was a ton of touches for that B.J. Baylor kid or whatever. So, he, you know, I mean, to, to be fair to him, he was never in the best collegiate situation.
0: Mm-hmm. No, because that guy that guy's got some skill. And uh, nobody talked about him the entire, and it was probably, it was probably, you know, part of, of it being who is his quarterback the last, I think it was Sam Noyer the last couple of years, you know, Last year was um,
1: Chance Nolan.
0: Oh, even better. You know what I'm saying? So like he did, you're right. He didn't have the production and everything, but you know, you saw that on special teams when he was a return specialist, he has some really good, you know, field vision and can make things kind of happen running up the field. And uh, I think the Chargers kind of got to steal with him.
1: but Yeah, he's got good hands, too. So, I mean, you know, you just bring him in and see. But, yeah, uh, and and that's one, you know, we I do my rankings from the perspective of the teams, of course, and the talent you brought in during the UDFA thing. But one of the interesting, and you're sort of speaking to it there, uh, one of the fascinating things to me about the UDFA process is from the other side of it, um, like, first of all, I don't think people realize that, UDFA, like, or guys that could be UDFA, uh, let me put it this way guys who have not been picked yet by around the start of the sixth round, certainly by the middle of the sixth round, they're going to start getting calls from teams, not we're picking you, but in case you do not get drafted, let's start negotiating deals and stuff. And so the agents, they'll be getting these different phone calls. Teams will be giving them, we can give you this much in guarantees, we can give you that much in guarantees. And then they have all the depth charts of every of every NFL team, you know, color-coded mm-hmm. and, and all this sort of stuff and the contract numbers. And I've seen some of these before. They are extremely intricate. And so the agents, it's like, uh, sort of like, you remember that Tom Cruise mo- movie, Minority Report, where he was grabbing stuff and then moving it around or whatever. That's sort of like the agents where they're like, oh, this teams you know, this team's offering 12,000 in guarantees, but it's a little bit harder to, you know, it's going to be harder to make their opening day roster. This team's offering, you know, 20,000, you know, whatever this team's, uh, you know, all this sort of different stuff. And so that informs a lot of this, like where the player ultimately goes. It's not just the guaranteed money. It's also just as important, or maybe even more so, what's the easiest route to get onto that week one roster. Because that's where the real money comes. The the record of all time for UDFA guarantee money was set this year by Carson Strong. I believe he got $330,000 in guarantees prior to this season. The record was 200,000. So, I mean, you just think about that in comparison to what the NFL minimum salary is. The goal isn't necessarily the guaranteed money, although that's nice because your football career could be over real quick. If you're a UDFA, it's also what's the surest path to getting on a week one roster? You know, is, is there one, is there a path or the practice squad? So, I mean, those are the different, you know, the different things that the agents and the players are thinking about. And then on the NFL side, of course, it's, they're both trying to fill their weak spots and then also just bring in as many sort of um, uh, uh, dart throws, you know, where there's a thought process behind them and there's a path to that guy that they possibly can.
0: Yeah. And that's the funny thing too, is like, you you go on these radio shows you go on these podcasts and stuff and they're always like oh who had the greatest draft who had the best draft oh who had the worst draft and to me i think that's the hardest question to answer right it's because it's like i see exactly what they're thinking you know i watch all 32 teams i watch a shit ton of fucking you know all 22 you know i sit there and i figure out what they're running schematically in the different you know positions that they want to fill and who they lost this year like we keep up with all this shit and it's hard sometimes but that's it's like i can't sit here and tell you oh this this these people had a bad draft because i have no idea what the hell they were doing the entire time because nobody goes into a draft or a pre or a, you know this undrafted stuff without a plan but um thousand percent three years down the road from now is that kind of how you rank your ratings or are you looking at now
1: well, it's got to be now, right? Like, um, yeah, I mean, because cause we got to do the rankings down. You got to write the columns now. So I, I, I'm a little bit more comfortable than some to give my the full scope of my opinions. Like the night, of, the night that the draft gets done, you know, doing the draft grades and stuff. I'm notorious for ha- being the hardest grader in the industry or whatever. Um, and I, I can be wrong, um, but I could also be right quite a bit. You know, like that. <laughs> I, 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 and the fan bases get upset with me for giving out the abs and stuff was like it, that. There's the Raiders fans. a couple of years ago, was it not? 2020? It, it was the Raiders, yeah. I, I gave them an F two straight years. Um, was it, maybe it was 19 and 20, I forget. But the one year that they went, the whole fan base just went ballistic on me. It was the year when they had the three first round picks. And it was, they had, Abram you know, was
0: one of them. Yeah, um,
1: Cleland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, Josh Jacobs they got Trayvon Mullen in the second round. Um, I forget Well, anyway, I thought it was a horrible draft class in comparison to how much draft equity you have, because that's the other thing that I bake in. It's, it's, you know, how much, how much draft equity did you use? You know, that's sort of like how much money did you pay in the transaction? And then what did you get back? How many, you know, how many goods did you get back in terms of, you know, market or whatever. And, and, and I just thought that they had, um, that they had blown the entire thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to take F- Pharaoh, who I thought had a cap ceiling that high Abram. I think I had rated him as a middle round fifth round type pick. Um, and Jacob had some, some, some
0: injuries concerns. If I remember too, he which did, he's been he injured. Him. He's been injured his
1: entire career. And he had a limited game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it was both of them. He, he was not a fully fledged safety. You can get guys like Jonathan Abram later, even if they don't have injury concerns. And so anyway, my, my whole thing with that was just, you know, in terms of, because the way that I graded it, it's, um, you know, it's it's sort of an idea of return on investment. But again, it's in the moment, like you said, I, I don't have the hindsight of their entire career, but in that moment, I felt that they had blown more draft equity than any other team in that class. And so, yeah, I got, I got some real blowback on it. Um, but, and it was funny to look back at that um, in late April or early May or whenever that was when the Raiders declined the fifth year options of all three of those first round guys and confirmed Wonder why. That, that, <laughs> that that was a blown draft class so I went back and I looked at my write-up on it and I, I in the write-up I say the only pick of these that I liked is this little known fourth round defensive end from the Mac <laughs> his name was Max Crosby,
0: yeah, Max Crosby. <laughs> it
1: was the only pick of their draft that I liked
0: <laughs> now so. I remember that too so that draft uh, I was graduating basic training that weekend. And so I got out, I got my phone for the first time in about two and a half months. So yeah, I'd missed like the entire draft process and got it back the night of the draft. And I had to give it back because we had to go back. It was family day. We we're running around doing different stuff. And you get back to the barracks, the drill sergeants collect up all your phones again because you can't have them in the barracks kind of thing. And you'll get them back tomorrow after you graduate kind of thing. So the last pick that I saw before I had to get my phone back was Clell and Farrell going four
1: to the uh, Raiders.
0: And I was blown mind blown because I was like, when did, where did that come from? That's a third, fourth round guy at best, you know, but
1: for sure. Yeah. The, the Raiders. Yeah. D- during that time with Mayock and Gruden, they, they always had the puzzling first round picks. And then even on day two, day two was hit and miss for them. It was weird. They're they're they didn't get good at drafting till day three. And then I, I, I tended to like their UDFAs as well, you know, but it was, and, and I've heard it explained that that John Gruden was the guy making the round one picks and some of the early picks. I'm not really sure about that, but they, they were a really weird team in the process for a couple of years where they always struggled up top, which was unfortunate because a lot of those years they had a ton of draft equity <laughs> And, and the surest way to fail in the NFL is to blow your draft equity at the top. But then, you know, later on, they managed to find some of these steals. So just a really bizarre uh, organization at that time.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, too, because you gave an F in 2020 as well. And I believe they just traded uh, Brian Edwards, which was their, I think he was the highest uh, pick they still had left from the 2020 class. And now uh, yeah. he was a fourth round guy you know so everybody that they picked in the first few rounds there is gone you know which is insane or maybe that was 2021 i forget when he got drafted exactly but
1: yeah and this year this year the team with a ton of equity that i gave an f to was the houston texans um Mm. houston wasn't terribly happy with me but luckily they're not they're they understand they're not (laughs) they're not raider nation raider nation made they they just had
0: to they just had to give up uh deshaun watson and everything else. So they kind of understand like, yeah, we suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and again, it, it's not that I think, you know, Derek Stingley is a terrible football player. I ranked him 19th overall. It's just taking a guy like that at number three, where there is an enormous amount of risk in the profile an enormous amount. And you cannot pretend it doesn't exist. A guy who who has not played good football since 2019 a guy whose evaluation is based off his athleticism and his footwork, who is coming off a list, Frank injury. You can't just pretend that this is not a risky prospect. It has to be put in there somewhere. So, you know, weighing the upside against the downside, because he could very well bust. He could also very well be a star, but it, both of those things are very much in play. I put him 19, you know, and then um, Kenyon green, the guard, um, He's he was a good player in college, not a perfect player, but he he was a pretty good player in college, but he's also athletically limited. So it's like, you know, what do you do there? I I had him as a first rounder, it's just a late first rounder, and they ended up taking him at 15. I thought that was a reach as well. John Mechie, he's a non-explosive flat receiver who is not big, who is coming off an ACL tear. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sorry, it's just not it's not the profile of a player that appeals to me. I I would want an explosive guy in the slot or, you know, if if I was going to go for more of the efficiency thing, I'd probably prefer one of the big slots. It's just, you know, but you know, I mean, this also goes back to ranking ideology in some ways too, where it's like you both have your preference, you know, just as far as the player, but then also we, we might've even talked about this before Vogel, but we
0: did. Oh, I was about to bring that up and and you finished your thought.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how, how NFL teams, you have specific holes on your roster, that you're looking to fill at, at specific positions. You also have schemes, you know, that you're looking to fill. So they're going to cut out, you know, a given NFL team is going to just eliminate a certain amount of the board because either there are positions that they don't need. They're not shopping for, or they just, they're not players that fit the profile of their scheme. You know, for instance, like Seattle, all those years and, and, and to, to a degree still do the long outside cornerbacks, they don't have any interest in like, you know, the, um, the kid the Chiefs took, the local kid, I guess for them, uh, McDuffie. Oh, right. Seattle right. never would have taken a cornerback like McDuffie, right? But, you know, or, or someone of that ilk, right? We're, but, you know, when, when we're doing this in the media and, and stacking a board, we don't have a scheme, you know, an offensive defensive scheme. We don't have specific holes on our roster to fill. So you're sort of, you know, taking all that out and, and it's sort of in a vacuum right? Where you're sort of just tr- sort of trying to, to ballpark engage, uh, overall value that's sort of independent of scheme fit, but, but still nodding at it. Cause of course you can't, you can't rank a play. You can't say a player has value if they're not a scheme fit anywhere. So, right. So that's, I mean, it's, it's certainly a part of it. And the thing like scheme versatility, stuff like that, um, you know, is going to up a guy's grade. Whereas if, if they're only you know, let's say it's a three, four nose tackle that can, cannot play any other position or whatever. It's going to go down a little bit or a guy that could only be a three, four outside linebacker, right? He's not gonna be able to play four, three, um, you know, defensive end or whatever. Like some guys like that, they can get knocked down a little bit on the board because they're not as versatile. But again, like and people need to understand an NFL team. And then what I'm doing, it's a little bit different, right? You're sort of trying to approximate the the process but you don't have the specific delineated things that would either pull people up the board pull people down the board or or totally omit them from your board
0: it is funny too because those three guys that you just mentioned the Texans all took who was their first three picks right was those yeah, three was guys right. were all guys that we talked about before the process that i was definitely a little bit higher on all of them than you were <laughs> but yeah. um i think a lot the, of people were the, the deal with um taking green there it gives you so much versatility in terms of where you could plug him you know he he bounces all around that offensive line now I don't know if I'd be comfortable playing him left tackle like AM was and it is concerning when you look at how everybody at AM ended up testing like everybody was <laughs> subpar athletes
1: I talked about this <laughs> with Mike Farrell Mike Farrell asked me what's going what's going on down there in College Station like why did they all test like shit I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't have an answer for that. It's weird that like, you know, even just looking at the specific guys in this class, all of them sort of like tested 15 to 20, 20th percentile lower, you know, in terms of their overall athletic composite than you would have figured. So it's, it's,
0: it's kind of, a it's almost, it's almost, you know, cause we talk, I like to talk about uh, game speed and you know, short speed, testing speed. There are two different speeds for some players. Traylon Burks is a great example of that, where, you know, he's got a pulled hamstring or whatever it was that he had against Alabama. And he still outruns their entire secondary coming off a curl, you know? So like there's game speed and then there's, you know, there's testing speed people play differently when they, when they're wearing pads some people run better with them. Some people don't. And It's really easy to get caught up in the in the relative athletic scores and all that stuff, too. So I try not to get like that's that's it's not going to be a composite for success based on their, you know, R.A.S. But I think. In the terms of them, when you look because they beat Alabama this year, right, when you watch that game, everybody in that on that team look like a bunch of studs, you know, outside of. I mean, at least the drafted guys, I mean, Zach Calzada, we, he's going to be a terrible quarterback. And I don't know why we're looking and scout trying to scout him right now for the draft, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's people there. And I think a is just a lot of guys that do really well on the field. Maybe they just don't test well, you know, and cause that's everybody. Jay, Like Weidermeyer. Wedermeyer yeah. was what considered what a top, you know, five tight end at one point.
1: And he and was he, considered a top three tight end at this time last year.
0: You know, and it's he had the great he had great tape, you know. He he looked like that he could be a really good runner. He goes out there and runs a five flat. Like ha, like where does that come from? But uh yeah, the thing with green is I think he's very versatile and he can fill a lot of holes and you can move him around when you need to. And I think that's what Houston was thinking, is because if they're rebuilding. They're going to be grabbing everybody they possibly can. And if he's one of the best five offensive linemen, they feel like they could plug him in anywhere on that roster. And as for Mechie, I like Mechie more than you do. Um, I thought he should have been paired with Mac Jones, but that's, that's too, that's gone. That's done. Um, the thing with him is he fits their X receiver. If you look at what Houston wants, look at the, look at the receivers that they've had in that role over the last few years and, um, Mechie's, Mechie has the body type, Mechie has the athletic ability, at least on tape, we don't know how he would test, Um, it makes sense why he would go there, so yeah, 31 other teams, Mechie's a slot receiver, like you said, but at Houston, with what they want, I think he's their ideal uh, Z, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's a great scheme, I'm not saying that, oh yeah, what Houston's done over the past few years has really worked, because it hasn't. You know, as soon as Deshaun, Deshaun Watson was carrying that team for three years and he got sick of it and was wanted out. But uh, that I think that was why they went with Mechie. We'll see at the end of the day. It is, it is too, a new scheme. We have to men- mention that, too, because uh, Levy Smith's there now. I don't know how much control he has. Uh, that's a whole other topic for another Hopefully day.
1: Hopefully for that team as little as possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that Illinois That Illinois stint was awful.
1: Oh man, I I still cannot get my head around the fact that Lovey Smith is coaching anywhere, right? I mean, a high school would have been the high school game has passed Lovey Smith by. It. The fact that he's an NFL head coach is mind boggling, mind boggling. And that, I think I think that we is all a molded, whole
0: another topic for another day. Whole <laughs> other topic,
1: but yeah, it's, <laughs> it, if if you watch the end of, I mean, certainly the end of his Bears tenure. And then you know Illinois took the shot on him because it was like oh you know the locals know him and he's a name and maybe he can bring up the recruiting. I was I don't want to say excited, but I was intrigued when they they did that. And I I followed that program pretty closely the years that he was there. Followed most of the Big Ten pretty close, and that was an embarrassment. Um, schematically, the the game has so far passed them by. Anyway, we don't need to go into the Lovey Smith thing, but yeah, it's it's. It, Still stunning to me that he has a head coaching job anywhere, much less in the NFL.
0: <laughs> he he might be do okay if he came down here to Alabama or Tennessee and coached high school because I've been to a few of those games and uh, some of the best uh, game, some of the best schools here in the state are still running you know triple option type you know wing tees. So he might do okay down here, <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll give him that all right so i guess my last question because i know that you you're on a little bit of a time constraint today is um out of because you like you said you're a hard grader um you get down to the bottom of these articles i'm scrolling right now sorry um because i i've read through them but i I can't remember who i who was still down there Um, i can
1: barely remember so
0: (laughs) yeah okay so you've got the new england patriots at 31 and at 32 you've got the Minnesota Vikings and I think yeah, you, you the can, Vikings you can ever
1: accuse me of being biased Vogel. <laughs>
0: have I have I accused you of bias
1: no just the internet
0: okay good because <laughs> I was like I've accused some people of bias and I didn't think you were one of them
1: um no, I'm perfectly happy to rank the Vikings wherever they deserve to be ranked you know or <laughs> the Packers who I who I I hate in real life but well, like I would I would assume like,
0: that the Vikings are down there okay. because it's it, Really, it's it's straight up. They didn't they didn't sign a lot of people, you know. It, it's a very limited class, um. Because I mean, I think Brian Koback's going to be a really good running back, the kid out of I like I, He's going to like be really good. I think Luigi Valane is going to be better than a lot of people suggest, because I watched him a lot at Wake Forest, and I thought he was great. And Tyree Stevenson is a guy that I was watching like last year as a one tech nose tackle, zero tech, and he's awesome for that. Um, I don't, am not saying he's going to make the team or anything, but, um, I guess out of the bottom groups. So I guess that kind of leaves the Patriots cause they had a decent, a decently sized class, but nobody really there. What, what has them so low for you?
1: The, which one, the Patriots or the Vikings? So this would
0: be the Patriots. Cause I think the Vikings is obvious. They had like eight guys on the list.
1: <laughs> yeah. So for the, the Patriots, it was basically, they only had They only signed two guys that I had in the top 450. So the the Patriots got two, two interesting guys that I was sort of interested LeBron Ray is probably the big one. And with him, you're just wondering, can he stay healthy and what can he become when he does, you know, we just haven't seen a ton of snaps out of him, but he's got the talent. He's got the body for it. You know, everything like that. Um, I'm sure they got some Intel um, Belichick and Saban obviously are, are, you know, buddies and stuff. So yeah, I'm sure they got good Intel on him. I had a, a six round grade on him. So I, I think that's, you know, that, that and then Derek King, I was just interested in, um, and I thought he found a pretty good uh, spot as well, you know, with the Patriots, they've already talked with him about, you know, sort of embracing a slash role. Um, I, I, I don't think categorically they're going to move him right away from quarterback, but I think that's you know very much in play between running back and wide receiver. I think they're going to try him out at both, and then you know also give him some reps at quarterback and see just sort of see what happens. But De'Ara King was sort of in college; he was sort of like you know a discount version of Kyler Murray, essentially. Um, you know, th- there was a couple years where when he was healthy, you know, because that's the other thing with De'Ara is. A part of his game, a big part of his game relies on the mobility aspect and getting out of the pocket, stuff like that. But he's he's not big. You know, what are you measuring at? Uh, um, just just a shade under 5'9". Uh, 5'086". Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 197, yeah. So he takes some big hits, and then he, he gets banged up really easily. So, you know, is Derek King a slot receiver at the next level? Is he a backup quarterback at the next level? Is he a scat back at the next level? We're, we're going to find out but he's skilled enough as a football player. And I've seen him do damage, not just when he was at Houston, you know, when they were upsetting everybody, but at Miami, he did some damage against some really good defenses. Mm I, I, I like that dart throw, but just, you know, in response to the question, it's, it's just with them, you only bring in two guys that I saw as sort of quasi draftable. Um, And then with the Vikings, you know, whereas other teams had more, and then the Vikings, they didn't even, you know, the the Patriots had two guys that I had in the top two seventy five on my list. The Vikings didn't have one in the top 350. Now I had Brian Kolbeck right outside of that. I had had Kolbeck 359. I had Gabe Berkic, the kicker they brought in to compete with Greg Joseph. I had 362. And then Valene, like you mentioned, 388. It's just, I had those guys a little bit lower. Um, And those were the only three guys that I have within my top top 500. Um, You mentioned Stevenson. Another guy that I know that they like more certainly than me, and I think even the whole media, you could probably put under this umbrella, they like Zach McLeod more than all of us. They, they gave Zach McLeod a decent amount of, of, of a signing. He might've even led them in their signing bonus. Uh, I'm sorry, not signing bonus, the guaranteed money. Yeah. I think, I think they gave him 180K, like something like that. So they were very aggressive with Zach McLeod. Um, but Valene is the guy who got the rave reviews coming out of rookie camp. You know, like, you know, obviously I've, I follow the, the Vikings probably closer, well, definitely closer than any other NFL team. And coming out of the, the rookie minicamp, Velaine was the guy people were talking about. And, and you mentioned some of it. He, he does have some concerns with, you know, with his pro, profile, mostly being the undersized, um, you know, sort of edge defender. But this goes back to what we were talking about before when we we're talking about how we have to make boards independent of like scheme fit and stuff like this. Velaine was not a fit for a lot of teams. Because four three teams, what interest would you have in Valene? He's a 3-4 outside linebacker, right? Like at the next level, he's going to be a, be a rush guy. Well, the Vikings really liked his movement there. You know, like, and he, he's athletic enough for sure. Um, and he certainly caused a lot of damage in college, you know, at the power five level. So um, they liked what they saw of him early on, but he's a guy that may have filtered down just because on – you know, 18 boards or however many teams, you know, run the four, three at this point, he was not considered draftable just because of that. But the Vikings just switch. I mean, this is a perfect talk about agents and players identifying really good situations. The Vikings have been a four, three team. Fuck. I mean, my entire life, I think I'm trying to think if they were ever three, four before now, but I I cannot remember. They've been a four, three going back forever, but now with the new coaching staff, they are switching to a three, four. So it's, you have some, and we lost Thor.
0: There's a little bit of a communication gap there. Uh, Did, unfortunately he was unable to finish that thought. So that being said, we're going to go ahead and move to our next guy, Dan Toomey. You can follow him on Twitter, getting his Twitter pulled up. I should have this prepared, but at Dan T underscore NFL, definitely worth follow. Not just for Cleveland Brown stuff, but for fantasy football and anything else that he is producing, it is going to be good quality. Joining the show now, following up on Thor is another great guest. That uh, this this one's new; he hasn't been on yet. In fact, uh, today's the first time that we've had a really cha- a good chance to actually talk in uh, not text as we were just noting before we start recording. Dan Toomey is joining the show. He is a writer on Football Sapient with me. He covers the Cleveland Browns. He also is a featured writer on Dynasty Nerds. So if you really like uh, fantasy football, Dan is probably a really good guy to start getting a lot of info from and follow. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan T underscore NFL. So Dan, Cleveland Browns, it's such a it's such a hot button topic. And you know, it's kind of hard to shy away from the fact with all the intel, I've been seeing stuff the last couple of days that Deshaun Watson is definitely getting suspended for several games. And that was a whole thing when they were trading for him. And I believe I'm I'm pretty sure you're a Cleveland Browns fan. So yeah, yeah. I I guess we'll start with just the whole idea of this you know, NFL draft, I mean, the the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson trade situation. As a fan, how did that make you feel?
2: So I'll be honest, you know, putting football aside, coming from a personal standpoint, you know, we've all seen the allegations. We've all seen um, what is going on with that situation. Um, I felt uneasy. You know, my very first reaction was, you know, is this – is this something that's going to affect my fandom? And there was a couple of days where I was like, you know, maybe, maybe the Brown's on for me. Um, which is funnily enough, cause I just, just started writing for you, you know, this past season. So yeah. kind, of, kind of funny timing with that. Um, it just, it it just left it an uneasiness, which I will be honest. I still, I still feel, still feel that to that day, this day. Um, you know, he will be the quarterback going forward. Um, I think what he has been alleged to do is terrible. I just want to make that known before we discuss anything. Um, And I think I speak for a lot of Cleveland fans when it just, it creates an uneasiness, you know, I don't, I I want to root for the Browns, you know, I want to see us do well. Um, I don't want to root for Deshaun Watson, you know, as, as a person, you know, Um, you kind of got to see it as, as, you know, He's number four in the Cleveland Browns, and that's that's the way we're going to be you know, moving forward. Um, it is funny that we're talking today. Um, I don't know if you have been keeping up with the news that's developing um, actually in the past 24 hours. Uh, the NFL is actually meeting with Deshaun Watson, um, either as we speak or tomorrow morning. They're getting together uh, to meet in Texas. And everything that I've heard and people I've talked to, we are going to find out this week what the 2022 season is going to look like for the Cleveland Browns one way or the other. Um, So I know it's, it's been, you know, many, many months of him with everything going on. And then, you know, many weeks him as a Brown and everyone says, what's next, what's next, what's next. And I I think we got the answer to that question this week, uh, one way or the other The league will make a decision.
0: Yeah. So the crazy thing is uh, with the Deshaun situation was football safety, kind of got its start. Like, it's big first jolt from this situation because when this first this news first broke, no one was talking about it except for, I think it was Dan Lust and the Conduct Detrimental podcast. They didn't have a website at the time. And it was us. And there was no one else. <laughs> so that was our first kind of jump, I guess you could say, into the sports world where we were covering something and it quickly became relevant. Um, but that aside, it, the, the whole situation is crazy, you know, whether... Uh, whether it happened or not, um, the allegations are serious in nature. And I understand that the Browns are saying that they feel very comfortable with the fact that it probably didn't happen. Um, But that's, I'm not to say that that's not going to be the case, obviously, because there's still 23 civil lawsuits pending. um, Without it, it's, you know, from what I've spoken with, it's very difficult to charge someone with uh, I think a, like a criminal offense in this regard, in these types of matters. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's understandable why the jury wasn't able to find enough proof, um, but the civil cases still are there, which that is the concern going forward with that. But, anyways, yeah, no, I had seen that they're kind of. I when you started to say that that they were meeting in Texas, I remembered seeing. I think it was Schefter who tweeted that they were meeting, um, or maybe it was Rappaport. I can't remember right now.
2: And as funny as enough, um, in more Deshaun news, he is taking the team to the Bahamas this week. I
0: saw that We're too. <laughs> a little team
2: building. Um, Baker Mayfield is not reported on the flight, so surprise, Boy, surprise. That, <laughs> that, 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 that drama is staying, staying. That's in, the uh, other Texas. thing that's going
0: on right now with Cleveland, right? And I think I've talked a little bit about this over the last couple of months. I don't. I don't remember if it was publicly. I know I've definitely said it privately. You know, but and that's the thing that when you start doing podcasts and you do all these different writings and everything else, you start forgetting what you said publicly and what you didn't. So you, you find yourself repeating yourself, right? It's really funny. Um, but no, the thing with him is you're a Browns fan. You dealt with him for the past year. I was a big Baker guy when he came out of college, you know, same, so same. I loved him. I thought he should have been the first overall pick. I was saying that I think from January out, um, I actually thought that, you know, November, it was really weird that no one was talking about him as a first round pick before that draft um, with everything that, that he had accomplished, you know, and the story was awesome. He's a walk-on, he's coming in. He had that fiery personality, you know, the crotch grab at Kansas, you know, in Ohio like,
2: state uh, flag flag
0: plant. plant yeah, yep. Yeah. Ohio state. I mean, which probably irritated a lot of Browns fans that I believe are also Ohio state fans, but it's a,
2: it's a funny cross-section of, um of, <laughs> people hating baker for that moment despite them being his quarterback last year you know right created a lot of discourse and
0: that's the thing with him is he was always like that and i always respected that about him you know to the to the point where he had that personality that he was able to be himself and i didn't at the time i didn't see any issues with it i thought he would be fine and now here we are four years later what coming up on this is his fifth year option You know, so this is year five for him. Nobody wants to pay him $18 million. And he continues to bury this hole, right? Where he's put himself into an even worse situation than the Browns did by saying, we want a mature adult in the quarterback room. You know, you don't get on a podcast and you don't sit there and say, you know what? It's all, it's everybody else's fault. I did everything that I was supposed to for Cleveland and I didn't get anything back. And it's also kind of like, well, not, not necessarily. And so I'll give you a story um, that I heard. And it was from his rookie year. They fired Hugh, right? And uh, Greg Williams becomes the, 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 the interim head coach for the Browns. And in comes Baker, all fired up one morning because Greg cut the um, pre-snap protections from 26 different protections, he could change the, the at, at, at the line of scrimmage, he cut it down to six. So he started simplifying the playbook and condensing it. Baker busts in there all upset about it, you know, like yelling, like, why are we doing this? This makes no sense. Duh, duh, duh. Greg grabs him by the scuff of his collar and he's like, listen here, motherfucker. I'm I'm I was a quarterback in college. You're not ready for this yet. I am making your job easy. We're gonna do this. I'm the head coach now. That's how it's gonna go, and kind of had Baker there for the rest of the year by the scruff of the collar. And I feel like that's what Baker needs. He needs a lot of tough love, you know. Look like, at uh,
2: if you look at the numbers that year. I believe that was his uh, the touchdown record.
0: You know, yeah, he was an NFL, t- and he didn't start all the games. You know, no, he, I, no. he missed what was the first five games. If I remember, he correctly.
2: came in no less than that. Actually, he came in that Thursday night um, against, game the, against Jets. the Jets. Yes, he came Ty in right at. Yeah, Tyron got a concussion. Mm-hmm. I want to say that was week three. Yeah, because I think we were 0-1 and 1. We had a tie one of the previous weeks, yeah. I believe. And it was still during, you know, the big, uh, big losing streak. Um, but, yeah, the electricity he put into that city that night was –
1: I, I remember, remember that they game. Had I was watching the, that one. I was
0: watching that one live. They, awesome. they had the,
2: the, uh, the fridges, the Bud Light fridges yes. and bars. And they
0: cut them open. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, but, but like, I hate to say it, but a lot of the Baker, you know, pro arguments do come back to, you know, the energy he gave the city, the electricity that he installed, installed in the fan base, and, you know, that, that, that moxie you know, the intangibles, you could call them. Um, I still remember that, that playoff game against Pittsburgh. It's probably one of, one of the best games as a fan, you know, Mm -hmm. ever, um, that Sunday night game. Um, and unfortunately the play didn't always, you know, didn't always match, you know, the intensity, the electricity, you know, whatever you want to call it, just never, it never, never got back to that point. Um, and now a big argument could be said that um, it's tough when you're starting your career and you got, you know, how many head coaches did he go through because he had Hugh and then Greg Williams, a the season, then the Freddie kitchens experiment.
0: Yeah. And now and then, Kevin yeah, Stefanski.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um,
0: I, I'm not saying that his argument is invalid, but I'm saying at some point you have to, you know, it, it's what it's, I'm not trying to get political or anything, but it's what Dwight, it's what Dwight Eisenhower always said, right? I think it was him, right? The buck stops here. Yep. You got to yeah. take responsibility at some point, you know? Yep. Like, that's the thing is you're a quarterback. You're a leader. and I was, I, I'm a Baker guy, but when I went to Indianapolis and I started sitting down at the bars, you know, with the different NFL people and we're just chatting and talking, the, the story was all the same. He's immature. He doesn't take responsibility. It's an issue. And I think that's evident right now because no one wants to give him 18 million. The Browns don't want to move him unless someone's willing to pay the 18 million. Nobody's going to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a giant stalemate right now. You know, everyone's looking at each other saying, you know, you move first, and then we'll see what happens. Um, it's tough, you know, because he's got the price tag attached to him. Um, I want to say, if he took the money out of it, there would probably be a couple teams interested you know in his services um i don't have the numbers in front of me but i think Mariota and trubisky they signed for what like six or eight million this year each like i think i
0: think it was more i think trubisky is getting 12 and i want to say Mariota is getting 10 yeah i could be wrong
2: and but i remember they're they're very like incentive leading contracts you know playing time team records team wins um but if you threw Baker into that mix at that price point, you know I'm sure I'm sure those teams would be would be interested. But from a Cleveland standpoint, you know we, you know, how much of that money are you going to eat by cutting him? You know how much of that do you want to go through versus maybe, let's see if somebody maybe gets hurt, you know during training camp. And you that's know, the, no. That's uh, the
0: other thing though too is, if he was smart, I'm not saying he's dumb, but I'm saying he's acting very dumb right now. And if he was smart, he would show up. He'd be doing, he'd be putting the work in and understanding that these first six, eight, however many games Deshaun Watson's going to sit in 2022 is your fucking audition. Yep. To go out there next year and get that contract, get that money. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like people are so, he's so caught up in all the drama. And all the, oh, well, they move for Deshaun and they don't want me to be the quarterback anymore. Deshaun Watson is not going to play probably half the season next year. And if you put on a great performance, you're going to go out there and get a $25 million a year contract. Might be a prove it, but that's what the prove it deals are, look like right now. When you've been successful, you know, at multiple points of your career, which he has this rookie year, that first year with Kevin. And then you, I guess you could make the argument he looked okay at times last year before he started getting the injuries, you know, but if he's smart, take playing Cleveland this year, dude, you know, suck it up. Well,
2: that's, that's, that's the thing is, you know, that, that 2020 season, he looked great in the just a fancy system. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, I, you know, I don't want to throw out large sets of data, but you know, he was dealing with that injury the entire year and, how much of it was him, how much of it was the injury. I don't think anybody's ever going to truly know. Um, but if you could get a little bit of that 2020, you know, back, that's a quarterback that starts for six teams at least, at least six teams in the league. Uh,
0: I think that was that, – that's any uh, – I wouldn't say any team because obviously there's a lot of star quarterbacks in the league and I'm not trying to diss any of them and say Baker's better. But I, he's, that's a top 20 quarterback when he yeah. plays like that. Yeah. So that's twelve that's 12 yeah. teams at the very least that he could start for. And yeah, you look exactly. at, and you look at like Detroit right now. Right. And if he was less money, Detroit would make a lot of sense because Jared Goff is there. Jared Goff is meh. Everybody knows that, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like with Goff, it's, it's literally think of, his name. Is, this is probably, this is like my ADD kicking in, right. Where it's like, okay, golf and golf are like two similar very similar words <laughs> and golf is literally one of the least entertaining sports to just you literally put that on while you're working and it's just like background noise and you're just fine um you don't actually sit down on a couch crack open a beer and watch golf unless i guess you golf but i don't golf so that's that means that's background noise that's just like okay yeah. I'm, that doesn't mean any i don't i don't see anything going on here other than there is a ball flying through the air and that's kind of what i think of golf right? It's like Jared Goff, that is. Uh, it's just kind of like, it is what it is. He's background noise. If you don't have another quarterback, yeah, play him. And he's going to make 25 million this year, which is awesome for him. But next year, they're going to be able to get out of that contract and he's going to be gone. So Detroit would make a lot of sense if you're Baker Mayfield.
2: So it's actually funny you bring up Detroit because you know who else is in Detroit right now? Baker's, no, Baker's guy, John Dorsey.
0: Oh, john dorsey I was hired about that by
2: You're the right. lions front office as an advisor
0: you are um, right
2: so i remember i was you know kind of staying on top of the news cycle throughout the winter and i saw they made that hire and i you know I, I put that in the back of my head i'm like let me remember that because you know these guys you know the spielmans and the guys who go around the league you know they go to new locations they try to you know bring in a little bit of their old talent dorsey even did that with cream hunt you know because he drafted hunt uh, when he was in Kansas City, Kansas City yeah you know and then when Kareem got released he brought him over um, to Cleveland um, so yeah when, when this whole situation was doing I had the same idea I was like Detroit would make a great place if there wasn't 18 million reasons that they can't do that right now
0: so you know yeah no and i'm glad you brought that up i totally forgot about that that's a because dorsey fucking loved baker mayfield loved loved, loved, loved. like 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 you know you saw the everybody saw hard knocks that year where he would just get on there and just rant and rave <laughs> at this kid and every time baker walked in the room dorsey would just fucking light up like a christmas tree but so no that i i didn't realize like i didn't put two and two together on that i was just looking from a roster standpoint where it's like they really tim boyle is their backup quarterback right now I mean, Tim Boyle, if you go look at his college stats, you wonder why he's in the NFL. You go watch that Thanksgiving game that he played against Chicago at the, the early Thanksgiving game that everybody, you know, is eating through and falls asleep to. You're kind of wondering why he's in the NFL, yes. you know? So Detroit made, just made a lot of sense, personally.
2: Um, Honestly, that Lions roster is not terrible. They've, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of weapons, then they're they're rebuilding the right way if you look at you know where they're deploying assets and how they're they're putting things together they are rebuilding the right way which is nice to see
0: and i think matt campbell would be that guy that would just or not i said matt campbell but think, dan
2: dan campbell, yeah, dan campbell. Yeah. i'm taking
0: <laughs> iowa state i've been in college football all day um i think dan campbell would be that kind of guy that would grab baker by the scruff of the collar and kind of shake them around and say, Hey, look, listen, this is how we're doing things. you got to fall in line, man. And once you get him at that point, I really think, you know, if you've got a coach that is willing to do that with a quarterback, Baker's going to be really good. Yeah. Personally. I did want to ask you uh, because this is kind of, this is a big topic, right? With the new schedule out and everything and you covering the Browns and everything. Mm-hmm. What is your expectations for the Cleveland Browns coming up in this 2022 season?
2: So that's a good question. So um, do you want to play out two scenarios?
0: Let's say, well, we know that Deshaun is going to get suspended. It's probably going to be in the range of six to eight games. I'm leaning probably eight because Ezekiel Elliott was suspended six games for much less. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's say an eight game scenario. He's suspended for eight games. What's so gonna that that salary situation with him is a whole other conversation to be had. But wait,
2: can we, can we pause pause <laughs> for one second and address that? Because that's this has to be said by somebody who who covers the Browns. Um, you know, we work in media, we know people like to take, you know, their little tidbits and you know, fly yeah. away with them. If you look at Denzel's extension, Miles extension, Nick Chubb's extension. Andrew Berry has a tell with all of his contract extensions and that is first year minimum money because he likes to have the flexibility to sign free agents that season. He doesn't want contract extensions to kill all possibility of that year making moves. So I know the media like to run with the whole, oh, they paid Deshaun so little because, um, in case he gets suspended they want to save him money this or that but somebody who covers the Browns I can tell you if you go and you look at the actual contracts for Nick and Miles and Denzel and their extensions very 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 similar allocation of money sorry I just want I just want to interject no no that's no I'm glad
0: you brought that up because I, I I firmly believe that that was kind of like a hey um yeah, we're gonna go talk to the media and we're gonna tell everybody it's like we believe you, Deshaun. We believe you. But here's the here's how we're gonna cover you from the NFL. I I that's how I looked at the contract. Yes. Yeah, because so, it jumps to it's like it goes from like one million to 50 million, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah
0: between it goes the years. Way, way high. Um, which which that it that's what it looked like. But I'm glad that you that's a good point. Um I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't didn't consider that
2: like we said you know we work in media we know people like to take the run little piece things. in yeah. exactly and exactly. you know once it gets on sports center it's it's the entire narrative that the world revolves around
0: unfortunately well, anything like that anything that could be <laughs> scandalous potentially is always something that the media is willing to run with
2: exactly exactly um, all right so so let's go so, back yeah. to he's going to
0: he's going to probably sit the first 8 games of the year so Jacoby Brissett. It's probably going to end up being the starting quarterback. Josh Dobbs will be your backup if he gets hurt. Yep. So, what's the expectation?
2: All right. So let's real quick. um, Let's run through the first six weeks of the Browns' schedule. Okay. Week one, Carolina. Week two, Jets. Week three, Pittsburgh Steelers. I can't tell you who the quarterback's going to be by week three. It might be Pickett. Week four, Atlanta. Week five, the Chargers. And week six, New England. Now, if we go back last year and we look at um, Case Keenum started two games for us last year. He started that Thursday night game against the Broncos. And, and he started 17. in yeah. the final week of the season against the Bengals, correct? Um, two and that's that's
0: week eighteen now, my bad.
2: Yeah, so. I know everyone's still still adjusting. Yeah, we're
0: still to, saying to, 17, but it's game seventeen. Yeah. I know.
2: Um so the Bengals game, I'm going to throw out because they had their spot clinched, they're wrestling most of their starters, this or that. Um, the Denver team, as bad as they ended up, going into that game, they were still like a 500, just above 500 team. They weren't a complete write-off. Um, the roster is constructed well enough that a serviceable backup can go in and perform well enough um, to win games if needed. The other key thing that I think um, not many people are talking about is we get Kareem Hunt back this year. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you look at the splits, uh, Kareem Hunt, when he got hurt and missed games, the offense was completely different. So I'm confident that with Kareem back in the fold um, and the offense, hundred percent healthy, Jacoby's going to surprise some people. Now I'm not saying he's going to go out there and throw five touchdowns, you know, let's say, um, Game manager might be a word that people, people would use to describe that. But yeah, so
0: but you're saying like win game. passing yards, maybe a touchdown or two.
2: Yeah. You know, kind of kind of
0: lean on your run game a good
2: bit. On on less than 25 attempts for sure.
0: Okay.
2: Um, all right. So that being said, um I could see us going through the suspension 500. I can easily see that happening.
0: So you know? so Carolina is kind of a wild card. Yes. And it really depends on who's going to be their starting quarterback on week one. Are they really about to run with Sam Darnold for another year? Like, is that really about to happen?
2: I, I I wrote an article recently. I think it was like a Panthers mock draft, this or that. And uh, in this mock, Carolina didn't go for a quarterback at six. And in the article, I said, Matt rule should be brushing up his resume and finding a good real estate agent because I haven't looked at the betting odds, but I, I would I would I would I would guess that he is the odds on favorite for first head coach fired this season. Um and I just don't know what Carolina's plan is, you know. Um Sam Darnold you know, is there. They got they picked up Matt Corral. Um I believe he was see that,
0: that's third round pick, but that's that's yeah. that's what I was kind of about to get to is I might sound really stupid for saying this. Um, but Matt Corral's my guy. Like, in this class, a quarterback, if there was a guy – so, like, last year coming out, my guy was Mac Jones. I loved Mac Jones. And I thought Mac Jones was going to really surprise a lot of people. Patriots go back to the playoffs, and you can say Bill Belichick and everything, but Mac, Mac was a very serviceable player. I really think Mac Corral is much better prepared for the, the next level than a lot of people realize. And I really think if you had to put him up against Sam Darnold, it be a no-brainer if you're watching training camp and you're watching those two and comparing those two it's a no-brainer Matt Corral's better and that's all that's all pending on his injury I don't have the injury the medicals I think that's kind of probably what pushed him down the board it was made him the what fourth drafted quarterback in this class behind you know Pickett and Ritter and Malik, yeah,
2: Pickett, Ritter, Malik then
0: yeah Corral yeah and then Corral went so I don't know if the medicals weren't great um he looked okay at his pro day moving around um he's a runner you know, that's another thing. That's the thing with him when he was coming out is I think a lot of people were uncomfortable with him because they couldn't come up with a comp for him. There's not really a quarterback that has his skill set where he can throw the ball. He can push the ball down the field. He can kind of get through some reads. You're going to have to simplify the offense first couple of years, but he can get through some reads. And then you, you also, uh, he can run the ball 20 times a game, you know? He's not a big body, but he can run, and he's an effective runner, and he gets down and he takes care of himself. So
2: yeah, that I think, will definitely be. A,
0: I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if Matt Corral comes out as like a week one starter, and we're talking about him at the end of the year like a Russell Wilson.
2: Yeah, I agree. Let's just say Panthers preseason games will be on my television <laughs> <laughs> all of August. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So so let's say you know suspended six to eight games. I think the roster is good enough to go five hundred. And our buy is actually week nine, so let's play that scenario out. He's got an eight-game suspension. Uh, Jacoby gets us to four and four, three and five. You have a bye week. Now you can get Deshaun in on the offense. Maybe Stefanski's got a few tweaks that he installs. Um, then, then it's possibly off to the races. Um, now, obviously, like a team like the Chargers, even with Deshaun, is going to be a big, That's, a big test for any team, you know, yeah. the AFC in general this year is just fully loaded.
0: It's gruesome. Um, and, and the yeah. AFC North probably outside of the West, the North is not far behind.
2: No, no. and,
0: and Cause you've got Joe Burrow in that conf in that division. You've now, you've got Lamar Jackson. Supposedly he should be healthy this year. Yep. That's potentially like a, just, Oh man. And then, If Pittsburgh can get their situation straight, they're going to be great on defense.
2: And the scary thing is, and you probably agree with this, Baltimore killed the draft.
0: They didn't just kill the draft. See, that's what Thor and I were talking about earlier in this episode, is Baltimore killed free agency too. Yep. Like anything roster related, Baltimore just killed it this year, and it's scary.
2: Eric DaCosta and Ozzie Newsom did a wonderful job, and as a Browns fan, I am terrified of that roster this year.
0: I think everybody in the AFC should be terrified of the Baltimore Ravens. Cause if Lamar Jack, even if Lamar Jackson doesn't stay healthy, you've got Tyler Huntley, who was a serviceable backup and probably would be a low end starter. It'd probably be a low end starter. If he gets out into the free agent market, what he's probably due next year or the year after. Um, that team is so loaded right now. It's not even funny
2: and and the craziest thing is the maybe the best player they drafted won't play this year david Ojabo is was going to redshirt his freshman year the first year you <laughs> yeah. know like it just it keeps going
0: but the way that you phrase that because i was thinking kyle hamilton and usually you're going to piss a lot of people off and they're going to be like <laughs> what kyle hamilton you had david Ojabo <laughs> over kyle hamilton this is going to be a whole lot of people throwing down on you dan you just opened up the oh, door uh,
2: you know what uh Let's just say as a Browns fan, uh you better get used to it this year because uh <laughs> we're definitely the one team in the league that's going to have a target on our backs regardless of what we do or don't do. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's for that's the truth. But yeah, no, that like that whole conference is loaded. And I think that's yeah. going to be the hardest thing for the Browns this year is you've got to beat the Steelers defense. You've got to beat their. You got to find a way to beat the Ravens once. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm really wishing you luck, even with Deshaun. And because I, I, is Deshaun, is Deshaun Watson, a top ten quarterback in the league right now? Hmm.
2: See, that's the that's that's the tricky question because the last time we saw him on the field, there was no doubt about this. But then you think about the quarterbacks City that have been drafted since, well, also the quarterbacks that have been drafted since the last time he played. You know, that, that are on the field: Herbert, yeah. Burrow,
0: um, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's not yeah. quite there yet, but.
2: If he puts it together. Um
0: Zach Wilson, if he gets it all put together too, it's like somebody put it like a three-minute compilation video together of a bunch of his best throws from this the year. Oh, my God. Like, it's just that arm talent is insane. When he's on, he's on. It's just you're just sitting there watching it like it's porn, dude. It's football <laughs> porn is what it is. You're just like, oh, my God. Like, there's no other way around it. They're ungodly. And the other thing we got to remember is
2: – Josh Allen broke out since the last time Deshaun played. That's true. You know?
0: Like you got him. See cuz I was doing this list earlier in the year and I was like I think I could name 10 quarterbacks that are better than Deshaun Watson. And you know cuz you got Russ, mm-hmm. you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Tom Brady. They're all better. Brady I think is probably going to probably going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't mm-hmm. think there's going to be much anybody can do about it just because it's going to be his big fuck you to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll go get his eighth, and he'll have twice as many as any other quarterback in the league. So you know, then he'll retire, go to Fox, make that big bunny. Okay, so that's three. And then Ross, that's a, did I already say Ross? Yep, yep. Okay, so that's still three.
2: Yeah, yeah. Russ, Rogers, Brady.
0: Okay, so and you got the
2: the younger class. You know, I
0: kind of feel like Herbert's there. I definitely feel like Burrow's there.
2: Both hundred percent.
0: Lamar is probably there because Lamar is a runner. You can't beat him. Yeah, like that's insane what he can do as a runner. Trying to think who else I'm like literally running through the Mahomes. I, Mahomes, obviously. There's Josh yes, Allen. Seven. Josh Allen's eight. Mm-hmm. You could you could make an argument for Dak, I guess. Maybe if you really wanted to. You Stafford. Stafford? You make the argument for Stafford too.
2: I so so you see how we just kind of paused right there. That's I what
0: Sean is. Yeah, that's
2: that's the tier. That's the tier. Yeah. But I will say this: that's the tier he starts at. Mm-hmm. The second we get him back on the field and we see him throw from four fifty and four touchdowns, he he'll skyrocket
0: right off the board. So are you expecting like 500 this year as as a Browns fan, as a Browns analyst, are you expecting 500 this year or or over 500? So over better than a,
2: yeah, 500 be the floor. Um, like, like we just talked about the AFC North is murderous row right now. Um, thankfully we line up with um we line up with the nfc east a little bit we have the commanders on the schedule so that'll be an interesting game um and then we also line up with the afc east so a lot of question marks in the afc east yeah dolphins this is, what the do they dolphins, look like are they all like with uh are they going to be that speed going to be too zach, much zach wilson they're investing so much in their roster can he take a step forward um patriots are always going to patriots and the Bills. Are and the probably Bills. Bills best, might be best the best team, team
0: in the AFC. You know, in
2: football. Football.
0: Oh, you're going to go that way. See, oh. I just I, I, already see, I already just said, you know, Tom. Oh, Tom Brady's probably going to win the Super Bowl. So I just insinuated that's the best team, but that's because they have Tom Brady. Hey, hey,
2: both both things can be right. This is
0: true. This is true. They could be the. They could you know, the best team doesn't always win. That is yeah. Fair. That's actually true.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think. Like I said, we'll find out this week. We'll get further clarity on the suspension. Um, I did want to mention um, Clowney hasn't re-signed. Yeah. I honestly think he's waiting for this news before making a decision. Um, I think he does want to return to Cleveland, but I think he also is realistic enough that if there is a lengthy suspension, he might say, thanks for the time, guys, but I'm going to go try my luck, you know, somewhere else. So I think yeah. – Depending on how the news breaks this week, I think we can see Clowney um, back in our Browns uniform starting starting as early as the next two weeks, which which would be nice because our defensive line is just just <laughs> not great right now, not great at all. Um, I think if Deshaun was suspended for half the season, we can still realistically finish above 500
0: and even compete for for a potential wildcard spot. Hey, hey, don't shit on Chase Winovich like that.
1: I love Chase.
2: First thing he did when we traded for him is he put a poll on Twitter. He said, "What's my number?" Browns fans chose 69. He's like, "All right. I'm taking number 69 in the Browns."
0: That that's that's very smart and yeah, that's a good number to have, especially when you're going after the quarterback cuz guess what you're going to be sitting back in your chair going, "Nice." Dan, it's been a pleasure having you yes. on. Yes.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a great great time talking to you.
0: If we get a chance, we're going to have to get you back on like full-time because we probably left a lot of Brown's topics on the table without ever discussing them. So we'll get a full episode with Dan here in the near future, for sure. Dan, you have a good rest of the night, okay, bud? Thank you, Johnny. Take care of yourself. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for tuning into my channel, checking out the content. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and follow us on your favorite podcast platform as well.